0: this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by susan wade sketches of the fair sex in all parts of the world by anonymous chapter 8 spanish women as the spanish ladies are under a greater seclusion from general society than the sexes in other european countries their desires of an adequate degree of liberty are consequently more strong and urgent a free and open communication being denied them they make it their business to secure themselves a secret and hidden one hence it is that spain is the country of intrigue the spanish women are little or nothing indebted to education but nature has liberally supplied them with a fund of wit and sprightliness which is certainly no small inducement to those who have only transient glimpses of their charms to wish very earnestly for a removal of those impediments that obstruct their most frequent presence this not being attainable in a lawful way of customary intercourse the natural propensity of men to overcome difficulties of this kind incites them to leave no expedient untried to gain admittance to what perhaps was at first only the object of their admiration but which by their being refused an innocent gratification of that passion becomes at last the subject of a more serious one thus in spain as in all countries where the sex is kept much out of sight the thoughts of men are continually employed in devising methods to break into their concealments there is in the spaniards a native dignity which though the source of many inconveniences has nevertheless this salutary effect that it sets them above almost every species of meanness and infidelity this quality is not peculiar to the men it diffuses itself in a great measure among the women also its effects are visible both in their constancy in love and friendship in which respects they are the very reverse of the French women. their affections are not to be gained by a bit of sparkling lace or a tawdry set of liveries their deportment is rather grave and reserved and on the whole they have much more of the prude than the coquette in their composition being more confined at home and less engaged in business and pleasure, they take more care of their children than the French and have a becoming tenderness in their disposition to all animals except a heretic and a rival. something more than a century ago, the Marquis d'Astrogat, having prevailed on a young woman of great beauty to become his mistress, the Marchioness, hearing of it, went to her lodging with some assassins killed her, tore out her heart, carried it home, made a ragout of it, and presented the dish to the Marquis. It is exceedingly good, said he. No wonder, answered she, since it was made of the heart of that creature you so much doted on. And to confirm what she had said, she immediately drew out her head all bloody from beneath her hoop, and rolled it on the floor, her eyes sparkling all the time with a mixture of pleasure and infernal fury a lady to whom a gentleman pays his addresses is sole mistress of his time and money and should he refuse her any request whether reasonable or capricious it would reflect eternal dishonour upon him among the men and make him the detestation of all the women but in no situation does their character appear so whimsical or their power so conspicuous, as when they are pregnant. In this case, whatever they long for, whatever they ask, or whatever they have an inclination to do, they must be indulged in. English Women The women of England are eminent for many good qualities, both of the head and of the heart. There we meet with that inexpressible softness and delicacy of manners, which cultivated by education appears as much superior to what it does without it as the polished diamond appears superior to that which is rough from the mine in some parts of the world women have attained to so little knowledge and so little consequence that we consider their virtues as merely of the negative kind in england they consist not only in abstinence from evil but in doing good there we see the sex every day exerting themselves in acts of benevolence and charity in relieving the distresses of the body and binding up the wounds of the mind in reconciling the differences of friends and preventing the strife of enemies and to sum up all in that care and attention to their offspring which is so necessary and essential a part of their duty a woman may succeed to the throne of england with the same power and privileges as a king and the business of the state is transacted in her name while her husband is only a subject the king's wife is considered as a subject but is exempted from the law which forbids any married woman to possess property in her own right during the lifetime of her husband she may sue any person at law without joining her husband in the suit May buy and sell lands without his interference, and she may dispose of her property by will, as if she were a single woman. She cannot be fined by any court of law, but is liable to be tried and punished for crimes by peers of the realm. The queen dowager enjoys nearly the same privileges that she did before she became a widow, and if she marries, a subject still continues to retain her rank and title but such marriages cannot take place without permission from the reigning sovereign. A woman who is noble in her own right retains her title when she marries a man of inferior rank, but if ennobled by her husband, she loses the title by marrying a commoner. A peeress can only be tried by a jury of peers. In old times, a woman who was convicted of being a common mischief-maker and scold was sentenced to the punishment of the ducking-stool which consisted of a sort of chair fastened to a pole in which she was seated and repeatedly let down into the water amid the shouts of the rabble at newcastle upon tyne a woman convicted of the same offence was led about the streets by the hangman with an instrument of iron bars fitted on her head like a helmet a piece of sharp iron entered the mouth and severely pricked the tongue whenever the culprit attempted to move it a great deal of vice prevails in england among the very fashionable and the very low classes misconduct and divorces are not unfrequent among the former because their mode of life corrupts their principles and they deem themselves above the jurisdiction of popular opinion the latter feel as if they were beneath the influence of public censure and find it very difficult to be virtuous on account of extreme poverty and the consequent obstructions in the way of marriage but the general character of english women is modest reserved sincere and dignified they have strong passions and affections which often develop themselves in the most beautiful forms of domestic life they are in general remarkable for a healthy appearance and an exquisite bloom of complexion Perhaps the world does not present a lovelier or more graceful picture than the English home of a virtuous family. Russian Women It is only a few years since the Russians emerged from a state of barbarity. A late empress of Russia, as a punishment for some female frailties, ordered a most beautiful young lady of family to be publicly chastised, in a manner which was hardly less indelicate than severe. It is said that the russian ladies were formerly as submissive to their husbands in their families as the latter are to their superiors in the field and that they thought themselves ill-treated if they were not often reminded of their duty by the discipline of a whip manufactured by themselves which they presented to their husbands on the day of their marriage the latest travellers however assert that they find no remaining traces of this custom at present russian fathers of all classes generally arrange marriages for their children without consulting their inclinations among the peasantry if the girl has the name of being a good housewife her parents will not fail to have applications for her whatever may be her age or personal endowments as soon as a young man is old enough to be married his parents seek a wife for him and all is settled before the young couple know anything of the matter their nuptial ceremonies are peculiar to themselves and formerly consisted of many whimsical rites some of which are now disused on her wedding-day the bride is crowned with a garland of wormwood and after the priest has tied the nuptial knot his clerk or sexton throws a handful of hops upon the head of the bride wishing that she might prove as fruitful as that plant she is then led home with abundance of coarse ceremonies which are now wearing off even among the lowest ranks and the barbarous treatment of wives by their husbands is either guarded against by the laws of the country or by particular stipulations in the marriage contract in the conversation and actions of the russian ladies there is hardly anything of that softness and delicacy which distinguishes the sex in other parts of europe even their exercises and diversions have more of the masculine than the feminine the present empress with the ladies of her court sometimes divert themselves by shooting at a mark drunkenness the vice of almost every cold climate they are so little ashamed of that not many years ago when a lady got drunk at the house of a friend it was customary for her to return next day and thank him for the pleasure he had done her females however in russia possess several advantages they share the rank and splendour of the families from which they are sprung and are even allowed the supreme authority this a few years ago was enjoyed by an empress whose head did honour to her nation and to her sex although on some occasions the virtues of her heart have been much suspected the sex in general are protected from insult by many salutary laws, and except among the peasants, are exempted from every kind of toil and slavery. Upon the whole, they seem to be approaching fast to the enjoyment of that consequence to which they have already arrived in several parts of Europe. End of chapter 8